0: good afternoon everyone this is your host stefania welcoming you to our mech podcast today with us we have (laughs)
1: maria carl
2: and musa
0: (laughs) okay today we will be what are we talking about mr carl here will be introducing a topic for us to discuss
1: okay so that first RLS is the danish government is accused of hypocrisy after accepting ukrainians and denying or deporting syrian refugees ukrainians are also told that they do not have to follow asylum rules meaning that they can go that they can receive an education and uh and a work permit right off the bat
3: yeah so what did you read about that carl
1: um well, there's a, there's a, essentially two sides to it. One side is is um, opting for the idea that they believe this is racism, and the other side the, the other side is saying that um since since Denmark and this is not I, isolated Denmark, this is across most of Western Europe. Um, the Ukrainian refugees are, are, are mainly women and children, while most of Western, Western Europe does not want to um to accept accept any any more um uh, teen, teenage teenage or or young adult Syrian males,
3: I see obviously, I think that they should be accepting of everyone, like <laughs> that's not even a question, but it does come into question whether this is valid just because the Syrians aren't necessarily facing as direct of a threat right now as Ukraine is facing, but maybe that's something that could be. Contested by someone else. Uh, I feel
2: like at a time, maybe the uh, Syrians were going through something almost as critical as what were the Ukrainians are. are going through right now, and they didn't receive the aid then. More like
1: right. So it depends what you're refer what you're referring to. If you're referring to the Syrian civil war, the death count, if I, if far as far as my knowledge is, it's much higher, and there are. There is about 40,000 Syrians living in Denmark at this moment.
3: Right. Right. And
0: it's also that that like Ukraine is like everyone knows about it. You know, it's on TikTok. It's on the news everywhere. So, like, there's also that kind of thing that if they don't accept Ukrainians, um, they could be seen as like, immoral for not taking um, them in during this time where everyone knows what's going on. It'll leave, like, a bad image for them.
3: right there's like a lot of pressure (laughs) on them to do this right right now
2: yeah also the syrian civil war if i'm not mistaken was during Barack obama's presidency
1: right it is it is still kind of going on
2: right but it was like the main conflict kind of happened or like the main like insignation or however you say that word (laughs) started like (laughs) 2012 11
1: yeah i will say this does bring up just uh, go, go, going back to something that was very similar. If you're familiar with the with the um, Yugoslavian civil wars, you're, during the Yugoslavian civil wars, that they had something similar. Where, um, take uh, for example, uh, the Sierra Leone had a, had a civil war whose death count in the first year reached the de- the total death count of the entire Yugoslavian civil war. But because Yugoslavia was a European area in the Balkans. Um, a, a lot of, a lot of people accused, um, the world of caring about it more. And a lot of people are seeing parallels here with the Ukrainian conflict that the world seems to care more about European conflict than anything in Africa or a lower or lower Asia.
3: Yeah. And I honestly feel like there's sort of this sentiment that, um, conflicts in the middle East, like the conflict in Syria is like. Those conflicts are hopeless. Like, there's almost nothing that we can do to help it just because it's constantly going on. So, these conflicts in, like you're saying, Yugoslavia and Ukraine seem a lot more manageable. Maybe because they're seen as more first world countries or as European countries. Uh, or maybe because the conflicts themselves are localized to like a very specific thing that's more easy to understand than the conflicts in the Middle East.
1: Could, could you elaborate on the idea of, did, did you say easier to understand?
3: Yeah, I mean, I it definitely took me some time to understand what's happening in Ukraine right now. And I still don't think I fully understand it. Um, but especially now, like it's a lot easier to access. Um, <laughs> it's easier to access the information on it because, you know, we have... Twitter, we have, like, social media um, that puts it in very, like, bite-sized, like, information about it, whereas uh, when Middle Eastern conflict was really ramping up, um, of course, we still had social media, but, like, news coming from social media wasn't really a concept at the time, so I feel like this one is a lot more accessible, and so maybe it seems more manageable just because we're able to understand it a little more than... The other conflicts.
0: You know, I agree with that because my little sister, who's ten years old, even knows about this. She's like watching on TikTok that and and explained to her, and she comes up to me and she's like, "Oh, look! Did you see? There's gonna be a war! Ha ha ha! Let's hope you don't get drafted." I'm like, oh my God, that's so
2: <laughs> ha, ha ha! War! Ha <laughs> ha ha!" ha. <laughs>
0: No, she laughed because she's like, "Oh, you're gonna get drafted. Ha! Huh? I'm gonna kick to your room all to myself. I'm gonna make it a mess." <laughs> um, of course, that's
3: what she would think
0: about first. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, that 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 does bring up an interesting question. Question when when you look at um the, the idea of it being e- easier easier to digest or perhaps harder, it's because um if you look if you look at the at the Ukrainian conflict, there is a. Despite despite what 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 might be said by governments on either on either side, I think a lot of people have come to a consensus that this is an imperialist war. It is about bringing former Russian territory back into the fold. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, conflict in especially especially Africa, not so much the Middle East, because they still Middle East very much still has an imperialist sentiments within with within it. I mean, Iran still still refers to itself as Persia, uh, occasionally. Africa doesn't, as far as we've seen, doesn't seem to have those same imperialist sentiments because there is nothing to bring back into the fold for many areas of of Africa. There is no old empire to reclaim.
3: Right. I mean, I think, and correct me if my history is wrong, but that kind of stems back to, like, they were really just these wide tribes, maybe more comparable to the civilizations in South America that were later taken over by European countries um, before they could really advance to the level. Uh, This sounds so bad because I don't wanna say that they were less advanced, but um, before they could get to the level of Europe and then the lines were drawn in the tribes. So there was really nothing, like you were saying, nothing to get back to in the first place because (laughs) there wasn't anything that they were able to have to begin with.
1: And I think the idea of saying that they're that they were less advanced is that's completely valid because in, inherently, just like most many native tr- cultures, of course, stuff stuff like the 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 Aztecs, Ingots, and the Mayans are an obvious exception. They were less technologically advanced by this point. By the point of colonialization, many parts of Africa had no need to have discovered the the fundamental being that is agriculture at the time, so uh, they didn't have the same. I guess you could say nation building. I'm not talking about culture. Culture is very hard hard to measure in terms of, of advancement, but technologically, most of Africa was te- technologically inferior, maybe except for the, the Malian area.
3: And I think uh, that's partly because their resources, even though most of it is jungle, their resources for humans is actually very low. So that may have been part of it that they were just focusing on pure survival uh instead of being able to actually develop technology
2: like other parts of the world Musa, do you have anything to add i don't know anything about any of those i know about the ukrainian conflict but the syrian (laughs) one i was like dumb and stupid back then i was like paying no attention to it so i have i have no idea
3: (laughs) to be fair i wasn't either so all of the stuff i'm saying is just like guesses shots in the dark (laughs) um Actually, Musa, you were in this class with me. We were in Miss Hemi's class. Uh, but we watched this one documentary about Papua New Guinea because this one white guy was trying to figure out why they were so much less, quote-unquote, advanced than the rest of the mm-hmm. world. And I think the conclusion that he came to was they really didn't have a lot of resources. Um, the food they were oh. getting was from trees.
2: Was it that documentary about, like, geographic luck or something like
3: that yeah yeah um
2: yeah yeah okay
3: because they were getting their food from these trees uh which really didn't provide a lot of nutrients so they were constantly having to harvest it um and yeah, they were constantly was, having to travel well yeah, it was
2: like soil in like certain areas were so wet and like ish that they weren't able to like properly cultivate crops or something like that right so they couldn't support. Yeah mass civilizations like the middle east can or like america can right
3: right yeah. uh, there's also uh, a lack of uh animals that are good for technology like there, obviously there's no horses in papua new guinea i think they got pigs but they really don't do much it's also <laughs> really hard to build within the jungle um right just because the
2: support large structures right
3: Yeah. Well, so one, it's very hard to clear out space to build, obviously, because there's trees everywhere. If you were to try and put a more European style house structure in there, it would collapse because of the humidity. Like there were, I think, I'd like to say back in the 1600s, there were a few French civilizations in Africa. And now uh some of the houses are still there, but they are completely destroyed because they've been run over by the jungle. Uh, and the people who um, were in those civilizations, who were French people, um, they did not survive very well. And I think they eventually ended up moving back to France and just abandoning the houses. So it's really just not a lucky area to try and set up um, what we see as like a European civilization
0: Although, think about all the money that got wasted. Yeah, <laughs> all the resources well, that got wasted. I, I
1: you, you, you also, especially when you look at Africa, you also have to look at the type of resource that they have, because like, take, for example, the the Ivory Coast region, not not referring to the country, that that area is one of the richest areas in the world in diamonds. But what does a what does a tribalistic nation or or Mali during their first expansion, care about diamonds? At at, at this point, gold gold is a de facto currency or it's just a barter and trade system.
3: Right, and I think the only value diamonds really have in Africa is as an export to other countries. Um, But then, uh, you probably know more about this than I do, Carl, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the conflict in Africa surrounds um, the diamond harvest. Like, there's a lot of bloodshed over the diamonds.
1: It's in country, I'm in a... I'm paraphrasing because somebody's some some of the countries are 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 so small that I have trouble with them. Sierra Sierra Leone is really bad at it's and I know in a lot of Africa, especially in the 80s, they would hire former former uh, Rhodesian special forces or or a ZANU or ZANU security forces, and they would use they would use professional forces against what were essentially child child militias in order just just to get enough enough diamonds to export to. Western and Eastern manufacturers manufacturers, just so they could keep funding the war.
3: You guys all know that I'm not cool. I like to watch documentaries in my free time. Um, <laughs> uh, but funnily Ooh. enough, uh, Carl, you're going to like this. I actually learned this. Um, th- this is so bad. I learned this. I'll whisper I learned this in a Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not... <laughs> i'm not happy to admit let me explain myself when the guest speaker is talking it's interesting um and so this guy i'm forgetting his name right now but he was kind of talking about how he lived in africa for months at a time and uh, just because he felt like he was too addicted to technology and so he ended up living amongst these tribes um but but what I'm getting to here is that uh, some of these African tribes have started to live in the old French civilizations, just because the French built like these giant mansions in Africa that have been run down because they couldn't deal with the humidity. Um, But now you have basically um, tribal pimps that live in these mansions. So it almost makes you wonder if it's, the uh the building itself that's not able to survive or if the people are just too weak sauce for it
1: i definitely uh, agree agree with that especially the one about the um those the tribal pimps because africa africa has always had a very big problem especially in um within a within a lot of the the local warlords militias of they they will choose a culture and a lot of them will will idolize it and often it is um it is american hip-hop culture and what they do is they they idolize it because for some for some reason they um what do you know, they they they, sim- they sympathize with it and you you see it in in Liberia especially because what 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 ends up happening is they they idolize this culture and they create almost gangs
2: mm. but
1: they're 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 more just militias that control fragmented piece, pieces of territory.
3: Right. And what's interesting is that the gang issue in the United States has stemmed from uh, historical events in the United States segregation and uh, inequality, Jim Crow laws, all that stuff. Uh, Whereas in Africa, there's definitely unique problems. Um, But the fact that they have gone to this problem that is unique I guess it's not unique to the United States, but it makes more sense for the United States than it makes sense for Africa. Um, but I I almost wonder if it's because this lifestyle is seen as um, more lavish than the life that they're leading. And so that's sort of what they're trying to get to. Because if you look at United States culture, there there's definitely some questionable things there's definitely some red flags in the idolization of gang culture and um more gang rap music i wouldn't say all rap music but like gang rap music um to where it is put on a pedestal to some extent whether that creates bad and harmful stereotypes is a different question but the fact that that's put on a pedestal but the lifestyle that many africans are leading are not maybe they're trying to um get to that level
1: fundamentally it does make make sense because even the even the poor in the us on an international stage are the top one percent of the one percent in the world mm-hmm. like it's the the standard of living that that the us and and i'll say and i'll say most of western europe attains is better than it has ever been in human in human history and it is better than almost any other country out there and of course when i say western i am going to count south korea and japan in there with it because they are very heavily influenced by uh, american capitalist culture
3: yeah i think that's a fair inclusion yeah it's interesting because we don't see it that way in our daily lives because there's definitely I mean, it, it's true of the entire world, but there's definitely a very visible poverty problem in the United States. And Carl, you're more of the economy person than I am. But I wonder if, is that because of inflation here that we have like more money than the rest, like than other countries or? No,
1: no. It is. Um, So for the first thing is you have to keep in mind the U.S. and... South and what should have been south America if certain events hadn't hadn't taken place is the richest part of the world i mean it is an untapped well not untapped it is a largely on un, 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 undiscovered and very minimally a, a exploited resource node that is what in essence the new world is i mean i think venezuela sits upon the most oil in the world right now the u s we pers- we produce like 30% of the world's wheat just out of Kansas alone. This is fundamentally the richest area re- resource wise in the world because it's never, it, 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 we only started properly exploiting it during the industrial age. So maybe 150 years ago.
3: And so this is interesting. Um, it, we didn't mention this before, dear listener, but this is an IB podcast. So, <laughs> we I'm are sorry. To... That was my fault. No, no, it's okay. Um, but I, bringing it to what Carl is saying, in history class in IB History of the Americas, um, we've touched on this quite recently. Um, just stuff that's happened in Latin America, and it's interesting that you that you use them as an example, um, as rich nations because. The uh, the leaders are certainly rich, but the people are not very rich. And and you also use the word exploitation, which I find interesting because that is definitely uh, something that more. It would this be a wrong term? Northwest uh, societies have been exploiting like the more southwest
1: societies. Um, it depends what you mean, because in terms of in terms of south america it's very hard to say that the western world has exploited it because the western world has very much built north america especially spain and portugal being the ones that we're talking about here the, the problem is and it's 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 why i say i don't think you could say northwest because as we have seen richer countries tend tend, tend to tend to tend to always exploit um well poor poor or we should we weaker is probably the better the a better word word for it but i would argue that in south america it largely stems from the elite population that was put in there by the spanish i forget this if you remember correctly the spanish had some sort of almost caste system
2: yeah it was like the creoles
1: and stuff yeah, there we go I don't
2: yeah. the other yes. words for it but
3: nowadays um i don't think the terms are as relevant but i know that the peninsulares were the ones who were born in the original right. countries and who now live there which probably isn't really a thing anymore just because they've been there for generations um the creoles was the mix of the indigenous population and the white person
2: um right. but there I'm- was a word for someone who was fully spaniard and also living in latin america but i forgot what yeah that. was that a peninsular? no, no peninsulares were the ones that were born in spain and then were living in latin america there was a term for the spaniards who were born in latin america but were still completely spaniard i forgot what they were called though <laughs> they were like the elite though because
1: <laughs> yeah i for what i'm seeing is it, it, it's something called a crelo a creolo. i'm i'm sorry i don't i can't pronounce this but
3: uh, it has a double L, so I'm assuming it's criollos. <laughs> I don't
0: think that's right. <laughs> no, there's no <laughs> funny <one. laughs>
3: It's it's C R I O L L O S. Criollos. Cri-os? I mean, you're. That
1: sounds right.
3: Hold on. But that no, doesn't even sound that. familiar to me. No, I feel like we learned
1: that, right? I, I feel the need to specify for the listener that I do not speak Spanish.
0: <laughs> you <funny>. don't? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're Creole. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't. sure <laughs> it isn't just Creoles. Creoles. <laughs> I not me.
3: To be fair, it's been like it's three years creoles. since
0: I learned any of it that. Must be it must be Creoles. Creoles.
2: Like the che- like Cheerios,
0: <laughs> no, like Creos. Yeah, it must be that because the other I think I've heard it before. Maybe the other one doesn't just doesn't make sense.
3: So mestizo, I'm sorry for confusing you, listener. Uh, mestizo is actually the mix between um, one of the color populations and one of the white populations.
0: Oh, I got it. It's cre-
2: creole. What you're saying? What is it? <laughs> well, like,
1: like that was the first thing that was said. we should was all in all honesty, we should probably move on from this. I, I don't think us I don't think us googling stuff is going to be a very interesting podcast topic.
3: I think we've exhausted uh the Ukraine conflict. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like we talked about ukraine for all of 20, 20, 20 minutes maybe
2: i didn't <laughs> talk about ukraine that much we kind of like got off track and started talking about africa and then started talking about latin america for some
1: reason we, 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 we can swing Af- africa right into that second rls pretty easily
0: how about we move on to the second topic
1: Okay.
0: which mr carl will introduce to us
3: mr
1: carl, mr.
0: carl. <laughs> <laughs>
1: First name Carl, last name Carl. <laughs> would,
0: would you want me to say Mr. Elliot instead? There we go. I thought we were, thought we were on a first term basis, but I guess.
1: Whoa, whoa! We are, we are, we are work were, colleagues.
0: I, I thought we were friends, you know, so I could call you by your first name.
2: Well,
3: here's the motivated. thing: most friends don't call each other Mr. or Miss first name.
0: He's he's 18, you know, so it's not like so I so. Are you? <laughs>
1: Okay, okay. You know what? It's fine, Miss Estefania. I'll move on.
3: <laughs> Let's move okay. into the RLS.
1: Okay, okay. In Zimbabwe, uh, recently, the Dizan, ZANU PF, P, P, which is a a left-leaning pop, populist and nationalist group uh, with pan-Africanist ideas uh, from the Bush War, has blocked the CCC, the Citizens Coalition for Change, from rallying. From, from rallying. The CCC is a largely liberal conservative party of liberal market e- economy ideas. It's very similar to the U.S. The, the CCC set, seeks to end the governmental violence against against them and against uh, opponents of uh, the, Z- the ZANU, as the ZANU is a dominant one-party state over uh, Zimbabwe. All
3: right. And uh, what 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 is your thoughts on it, Carl?
1: I mean, it, well, it depends how far you want you want to go back, because ZANU spawns from the Rhodesian Bush War. And they were, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, as far as I know, they used to be a, a, um, a very socialist group. And the, the fact that they are labeled as nationalist and pan-Africanist now is definitely interesting. And the, and the fact that, that they are lar- largely a, one, a one-party state, so close to south africa because if you're not aware zimbabwe is directly north of south africa it is definitely interesting and it's very it, it, it may not be contrary to their actions in the past but it is definitely definitely a very ex- expected way for for african so- socialism to go as we've seen happen several times
3: right and haha ib history is so helpful um carl you when we had okay listener i'm gonna explain this real quick so mr cooley he is our history of the america's ib teacher uh and one of his assignments for us was to study a dictator and be able to basically pretend to be them for a discussion uh and carl you were the one who was the african dictator i'm forgetting his name it was something Uh, that we couldn't pronounce
1: uh, and I'm gonna mispronounce it because it's, it's French, but uh, Niyere, and he was from Tanzania.
3: I see. And uh, so this is definitely a very different section of Africa. Yeah.
1: But it it does. This is fundamentally very similar. It's the party is stemming from a from what was essentially a um a white a white minor minority rule um settler population um which which fought against the majority rural African po- population of the time and then a socialist state is stepping out of that
3: i see and so this is a this rls you've brought us is quite wordy and quite gritty so i'm gonna try and dumb it down you correct me if i'm wrong so they're basically suppressing this organization yep okay and that's that's just like the basics that's the bare essential yeah i find that interesting because i mean we've we all did this project um and most of these uh socialist and communist uh organizations and parties we've seen in countries have stemmed from like a very uh i i'd say most of them have stemmed from a good intention you know most of them like as you're saying this one is a uh pan-africanist which is an ideology that african people are you know uh great basically like kind of
1: (laughs) is the the idea that all africans are the same
3: oh i see okay i did not know that because the sentiment you see a lot of the time is that it's like oh african people should be celebrated and maybe that's the more western pan-africanism so sorry that i'm wrong about that um but but uh this, and I'm sure it's the same for this party, Um, these communist and socialist parties have stemmed from wanting to help the, uh, is it the proletariat? Is that the correct wordage?
1: So normally, yes, you 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 could say that. The ZANU-PF, and this is just my personal opinion, stemmed from a very messy disillusion of uh, Britain's colonies in Africa. In the idea that Britain essentially left its its white settlers there and when the Rhodesians that being the white settlers of, of the area broke away in southern Zimbabwe um because they wanted minority rule they they believed that because they had the most power that they had the most land and that they were the ones who built built most of the modern development in the country they believed that they didn't have to give majority rule to the entire country and of and and that's where this socialist party stems from And the fact that it's it's socialist, but it's more socialist in the idea that it wanted to unify Northern Zimbabwe against the Rhodesian population.
3: They are not at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I don't completely understand it either. But from what from what I understand, it's this um, party that has been in place for a while since Bush uh, that wants minority rule, basically to uplift or band together the people who are less privileged within the area
1: um uh. <laughs> fundamentally you're right yeah it's, okay. they want so zanu pf is based on the idea of african majority rule in zimbabwe
3: i see so so they want african people to be the leaders
2: of- they're trying yes. to get rid of the gross white people that have been taking care of them for a while. right and so is it's a, heck of
1: a sentence to say <laughs> so you're, you're referencing a war that happened in the 60s right now the both the ccc and zanu pf is mostly black
3: see that's what i was about to ask because that's an important clarification so and they're trying to suppress this and is it because it's more uh european ideals that the ccc is trying to put in place or is it just because they don't like the
1: ideals themselves? um so fundamentally you could say that it, is, that it is more more european ideals definitely and this from what I've seen, and I, I don't know too much about the CCC, they tend to support um, the the partial reintegration of of your of, of former European settlers because, of course, after the Bush War and when the when the African uh, people of Zimbabwe won, the agriculture collapsed because the the educated far- farmers from Europe were all forced to leave, and because of the apartheid culture, there was no education in farming, so they had to bring them all back.
3: I see. This is an interesting RLS you bring us, because I think, in TOK, it's important for us to learn things that we don't quite understand.
2: Okay. Hello, my name is Musa, and welcome to my Recommendation Corner. Since we were talking about, like, dictators and stuff, do any of you guys have some good documentaries to recommend that are based around that whole topic? (laughs)
3: Carl seems like the type of person to enjoy media about this, so I'll let right. him
2: start.
1: Well, you don't really watch movies. So maybe books would work too. I've i got some decent books on it.
2: Yeah, how about you? How about you give um, them some titles and some synopses?
1: There was a great one called Red Famine, regarding the uh, just tie, tie, tying it back to Ukraine. We talked in the beginning about the you about the uh, Ukrainian uh, starvation that uh, Stalin did did, did to them. I think God it must. that was like forty or sixty million dead. And that was called the... Red Famine. Red Famine. Okay. Uh, And,
2: listener, I will
3: include that in the description of the podcast if you want to go check that out.
2: how do you have any dramas about, you know, Chinese imperialism or anything?
0: It could be interpreted to, like, be imperialism, you know? Because there's this one telenovela I was watching where this girl, right, was gonna get, like, this poor guy, you know? Like, if it was like a poor country, you know, but all of a sudden she was forced to marry this rich guy, which is kind of like, you know, a dictator taking over or whatever. And so um, she was treated very, very badly, but at the end of the day, she like fell in love with him, I guess. <laughs> and so like, it could be kind of like a dictator takes over. <laughs> That's people... not
2: a good moral to uh, be sure.
0: The, <laughs> the people don't realize that like that dictator is mean. But at the end of the day, you know, she realized, oh, he's mean, you know, and so she dubbed him and went back to her first love, which is like when the people overthrow the dictator and go back to a different um, person, you know? In oh, different yeah.
3: leadership style,
0: almost, <laughs> you could say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was yes. this called, Stephanie? I can't remember the name, but oh. it was about this this girl that couldn't see, okay? She was blind. And she so was like, do
2: you know what country it was from?
0: Mexico.
2: Okay, it was a Mexican drama about a girl who was blind and was sorta kinda fell in love with imperialism. Thank you, Estefania. Yes.
0: (laughs) I'll, I'll have Maria put it in the description, you know?
2: Yes. Sure. All right. Maria, do you have any documentaries,
3: podcasts, you know? I can't say that I consume a lot of media about dictatorships. Uh, and I also was not prepared to be asked this, so I'm going to go a little loosey-goosey with this recommendation. Um, this is not a documentary, but if if you're a fan of the director and actor Taika Waititi, <laughs> um, he came out, I think, about mm, one week, two weeks ago with a very funny show on HBO Max called Our Flag Means Death, uh, and it's just about some silly goofy pirates um, and the kind of main character is this man who is a very noble English man or some some sort of European country uh, and he leaves his family to lead some pirates and one of the main conflicts in the series is that the Europeans uh, who are part of Man, I forget what it's called, but whatever military there was at the time in like the 1600s, uh, one of the main conflicts is that they're very mean towards pirates. (laughs) That's all I can recommend just because that loosely kind of has to do with historical stuff.
2: Okay, on HBO. On HBO Max. Put it in the description, Maria. I will. (laughs) What about you, Musa? Okay, well, just like off the top of my head, this has like nothing to do with what we were talking about. I mean, it kind of does, but it, it's like, you know how almost every piece of land had indigenous people and then all of them were taken over by, you know, who, who lives there today, right? So the Japanese used to have um, a population of indigenous people called the Ainu, is what I think they were called? Anyway, there's this anime that pretty much talks about the Ainu and it's pretty good. The main character is this little girl and she follows this japanese imperial soldier around it's pretty sweet it's a little graphic so maybe don't watch it if you're like because <laughs> the main plot point is that she is like the daughter of like this tribe leader and the tribe leader was skinned and so now oh. she has to like go find her father's skin so it's it's a little graphic <laughs> but it's really good and it kind of covers some of their ancient traditions so i recommend it it's called golden Kamui. How yeah. do you spell that? I have no idea. Look it up on Google. Hey, anyway. I, I don't know how to look it up if I can't spell it. Okay, the first word is golden. And I knew golden. that. Okay. Well, the next word starts with a K. Okay. K-M. <laughs> maybe? I don't know. It should come up if you just look that up in anime. It's pretty, Okay. It was, well is this a children's
0: show? No. No. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Because all children's shows are about skinning their dead father and finding this. It oh, this anyways. is
3: completely unrelated. Um, mm-hmm. But if uh, any of you guys or anyone in the audience has Disney+, Plus, uh, Turning Red just came out. Um, I watched it yesterday. Uh, it's a very cute movie, and it's the first Pixar film, one, to only be directed by a female director and two, to take place in Canada. Um, and so it's
2: first one to have a female director
3: solely because there's a few where uh they've co-directed but it's the only one to solely be by a female director
2: so damn that's 2022 it took that long damn all right <laughs>
3: uh, but it's really cute uh and so if you're a fan of disney movies and pixar movies and you want to support uh women during women's history Month, go check it
0: out that's it for today thank you for joining the mech podcast yay Bye-bye. bye